Okay, welcome to episode three of the podcast, and today I'm joined by teacher, coach, athletic director, father, husband, and a lot of other things, and a man I'm proud to call my friend, Mr. Bryce Conway. Thanks for being here, Bryce. Yeah, it's great to be here. I've listened to your other podcasts, and they're really good and uh, informative, and I really enjoy listening to them, especially your uh you have those blog posts. If those of you who haven't been following along, it's good stuff, real good stuff. A lot of philosophical, philosophical things that are real good for parenting and just living living in general. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you've been real supportive with uh, all this stuff that I've posted. I always say you're kind of uh, second to my mom and kind of the uh, guy rah-rah cheering it all on, so I really appreciate that, man. Sure, yep. Um, so I, I listed off a few of the things that you do, and I, I guess I should say I teach at the St. Andrew Community School District, and you teach at Riceville, which is sort of a neighboring school district. And uh, we met through some similar experiences as being athletic directors. I was a, an athletic director for two years, and you've been doing that for how long you've been an athletic director? Put me on the spot. I think I think 10 years. Sometimes it feels like 15 or 20. You know? <laughs> yeah, no but doubt. I think this is my 10th year, though. Okay, yeah. Yep. And so that's how we got to know each other a little bit. And, um, you know, so I listed off a handful of the roles that you fill at Riceville. So I guess let's maybe do a little background. How did you get into education to begin with? Well, when I was in high school, um, you know, I was very – sports were a big part of my life, like most kids. Um and in the back of my mind, I always thought, it'd be fun to be that guy. That'd be my PE teacher, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be a good gig. But really, I went to college. I thought I was going to either be a chiropractor, athletic trainer, or possibly phys ed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like when I went to Coe College in Cedar Rapids, kind of got away from the chiropractic, and I really thought athletic trainer. And then, sure. uh, you know, athletic training classes and phys ed classes kind of co-went along. They're the same part of each um, – each of your, uh, what do you call it? Um, kind of like your core yeah, curriculum. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the same, they followed the same genre, so to speak. But anyway, um, oh, after a while, I, I kind of realized that, you know, I, I really liked the phys ed part and the teaching, you know, and um, impacting kids. I think that went back to in the summers I would coach, and mm. um, I, I just really enjoyed that part of it and interacting with kids. And so I, I um, about my sophomore year of college, probably I, decide I was just going to go into phys ed, but I did continue my, with my athletic training and had a minor in that. Sure. So. Well, that's pretty, that's, we kind of have a similar background in that too. I thought I was going to go into sports medicine or something to that effect. And yeah, I, I wasn't exactly sure. So I went to, went to college to play football, you know, one of those things. And then, uh, yeah, really discovered like, Hey, this is a way that I could do a lot of these things that I like that I could, you know, I have English and art or my teaching, uh, endorsement. So it was like, I could do both of those things and I could coach and be around sports and kind of do all that stuff together. So I was kind of the same thing. I always tell everybody my freshman year, I majored in badminton, which was a fantastic class. Sure. Uh, but then I settled on education, but yeah, yep. absolutely. And with the, the coach and you talked about that. Um, so you're from, you went to key high, correct? Which if you're from Iowa or, you know, know a lot about high school baseball, that's a big baseball school. Um, which I mean, amongst other things, but, uh, you mm-hmm. coach baseball. Was that, I mean, is that something that impacted you too, being around successful coaches and successful programs and things like that? 
Oh, definitely. Um, as a young, probably about 12, 13 year old, you, you see the high school having success and you want to be a part of that and you mm-hmm. kind of feel obligated to put in the time, the effort, the energy to make sure that when you get up there that you follow that tradition. And, um, you know, those were some good years. That was a lot of fun playing and competing and developing those relationships with your teammates. You know, mm-hmm. I can still remember how I felt when we played in two state championships. We lost both. One actually on a grant or a two-run home run, two outs, two strikes. But oh. that's the way it goes, up <laughs> up one. But, yeah. Um, but, no, it was a lot of fun. And we, we talk a lot about my friends and I talk a lot about the memories you build, you know, playing mm-hmm. baseball. And, you know, that – once you get that in your blood, you know, for football for you is kind of similar, yep. I'm sure. Yep. You know, you just want to kind of help other kids to develop a passion for it. You know, yeah. that's the main thing. Absolutely. And so what then, so you went to Co. you graduate there. Was Riceville your first teaching job after college? Correct. Yep. And so what brought you to Riceville? I, uh, well, I took the four-and-a-half-year plan at Co. Um, I student taught my in the fall of 2002 and uh, then I did some subbing in the spring um, I actually was living at living in Lansing still so I was subbing in like Kehi, Wacon, Southwind, some northeast Iowa schools that sure. are pretty close to here and um, well back then you had to get the Des Moines Register to find <laughs> teaching jobs yep, yep, yeah. Yeah. you didn't get online at that time mm-hmm. and I just happened to buy a Des Moines Register literally on a Sunday and I was looking through it, and there's there's an ad in there for Riceville PE, and it was due the next day. At that time, we used fax machines. so <laughs> You bet. <laughs> so, I, so I called over early in the morning and said, is it too late for me to apply? And they said, nope, send it over. So I faxed over my resume and all those things and got a call shortly later. Went over there with a friend of mine to interview. Um, <laughs> Stopped at Cresco Quick Star and spilled ketchup on my shirt, but still went in there and knocked a, knocked their socks off, I guess. Well, with, then, then, there you go. With Coming a, with some moxie. I yeah, like it. Those of you who know me, that would not surprise you that that <laughs> happened. But the, the funny thing I'll never forget about that interview is uh, my friend and I, probably my best friend, were sitting there, you know, waiting to go in, and a guy comes out in a suit and tie and just looking, you know, like a dapper Don, and here I am, <laughs> black kind of blue jeans. They weren't even dress pants. <laughs> and a, a red shirt that had ketchup on it. You know, like, oh, good Lord. So, yeah, right on. But, you know, I, I told them flat out that I was willing to do whatever they needed, and they had a handful. I think they had a coaching position for every season available and I was young and you know I excited to just get a job so I said sure you know I'll do all of them so yeah. I ended up doing uh that first year I was doing junior high football JV boys basketball varsity girls track and then I was supposed to do JV baseball but then we had a a, a guy end up leaving and then I did varsity baseball that first year and I wasn't expecting to do that but you know it ended up being a good thing I was really yeah. nervous to start but ended up doing all right there but you know it was I think every season was fun in its own way, and mm-hmm. I was kind of treading water a little bit, trying to learn things. I'm not very football savvy, so that junior high football, I knew enough to be dangerous. <laughs> I, I yeah. knew enough to help them yeah. anyway. And JV basketball, I had a, a good mentor that was a varsity coach as a young guy, and I kind of knew basketball. I played in high school a little bit, but you mm. know, um, just learned some different things there. And then varsity girls track. My cousin from Southwind is a real good coach for track, so I really picked his brain. And actually, that was probably the most successful 
group that I've had as a coach was in girls track. We had um, really? s- some kids that I couldn't even screw up, so to speak. You know, <laughs> just yeah. kept them kept yeah. them healthy, and yeah, we had a we had a nice little run there about six seven years of just good kids and yeah. hardworking girls, and they we did really well. So that was a lot of fun. So that, that, a couple of things that I want to revisit on that. So you became the baseball head baseball coach first year. Yep, first year. Actually, the very first day of practice. We, uh, I, I don't really want to go there, but long story short, our, the coach who was supposed to be there kind of got fired. And then that, I remember Warren Hackey, you're, who you know. Guy. I know Hack, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was the AD, and he came down and said, well, you're the head man. I'm like, what? And this was, you know, girls track and baseball, kind of, they overlap for two weeks. So I'm at varsity. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm doing varsity girls track practice, and he comes out and says, we are the varsity baseball coach tonight. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And he gave me the spiel, and I was like, okay. So we kind of winged that one. Yeah. But, but we figured it out, you know, and uh, it made it work. But it was for those two weeks, it's always – and it's still, you know, when I'm coaching track now, it's still real busy for two weeks, and it's even busier for the kids. That's kind of the nice thing, I think, when I'm coaching those two sports is I – they know that I'm also coaching track, so they can't say that I'm too busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it works Absolutely. well. Well, so how do you come in and manage? Because I was named head football coach in, in my first year, so I was an assistant coach and then became the head coach that you know winter or whatever. So I was 22 years old, turned 23 before the season. But, uh, you know, at the time I thought, I really know a lot about this. You know, I played in college. This would be fine. We'll just run things like we did there. And, uh, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, wow. I, like, I, they should not let a child coach other children. And, uh, you know, I just think of all the mistakes that I made and feeling bad for those kids. So, I mean, do you have any feelings like that? Or, or what were some of the things you were trying to focus on or learning from being a head coach that early? Oh, yeah. I think that uh, when you're a 23-year-old, you – my philosophy at that time was I want them to respect me, but they don't necessarily have to like me. Mm-hmm. And when you're young like that, it, you know, looking back, I, I don't necessarily think that I was wrong in that approach, but I wish that I would have tried to develop re- relationships a little bit more. It's hard, though, yeah. when, you're, when you're almost the yeah. same age as them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they're, tr- they're trying, you know, the kids are trying to pimp you a little bit and, you know, always – because you're so close in age, you know, and they, yeah. they watch the same stuff that I did, you know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. talk about the same things a little bit. So, but um, now to answer your question, I think that as a coach, if you self-reflect, you always wish that you knew then what you know now, but yeah. in 10 years, we'll be saying the same thing about now too. I did the best I could at the time. I think I, I don't have, I don't necessarily have any um, regrets, but I do know that our baseball program turned around when I fi- finally figured out that I need to develop relationships first and then worry about the fundamentals second a little bit and then develop sure. that trust with them, get them to be passionate about what they're doing and invest a little bit. Um, you know, and going back to baseball, you know, like I coached my first few years very similar to how my head coach had coached me in baseball. Yeah. And the kids at Riceville are just different than the kids at Kihai. You know, like they're – Football and wrestling was kind of their passion at that time. I think that's changed a little bit in the last 15 years, some. But you know, I tried to be like he was yep. and instead of being myself. Yeah. And that kind of – it didn't get me in trouble, but it it didn't make it um, 
feel like it was my program then. I was trying to do the same things he was doing. But, um, you know, I, I thought that a lot of times, you know, when we get beat, I took it personally. And um, instead of being reflective and knowing that, you know, maybe they just had better kids, the other team. And, um, you know, you just grow up a little bit as you're coaching quickly, obviously, and yeah. kind of figure it out. So how about you when you were doing football? How was that? Uh, you know, I think the, I think the things that I did fairly decent at were sort of the culture things. I mean, trying to come in and establish, you know, wanting kids to be in the weight room and that, you know, we're going to be just a culture of doing things the right way and, and off, you know, on and off the field and the classroom, those sorts of things. And I think I did an okay job with some of those things. I mean, I think those were the things that always meant the most to me when I was playing in high school and college. And, you know, I always sort of liked that role of being like the captain and those sorts of things. So I think I did okay at some of that stuff. You know, and there's still some kids, you know, from those first couple groups I'm really, you know, close with and still talk to and, you know, guys who went on to become teachers and coaches too and those sorts of things. I think I was really, really bad at the X's and O's for high school, and I think I was really bad at calling plays and those sorts of things. I mean, you know, and that's not to be self-deprecating. I was really bad at it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that is, I was always an offensive and defensive lineman, so that's what makes sense to me. And the rest of the game is really, I don't know what all of these fast people are doing. You know, I'm just about, you know, what's happening up front. And I came in and thought like, well, I'll just run a zone blocking offense because that's what we ran in college, and that seems sensible. And uh, it's a lot harder to get 15-year-olds to do a good reach block and stay on zones. I mean, so it was just a lot of mistakes like that where I look back and, like, just young mistakes. You know, where now I see young coaches having coached for a while now and, like, oh, yeah, they're trying to run the flavor of the week offense or whatever. Not that that's inherently a bad thing, but it's like, yeah, I've I've been there. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I think that was it. And I'm I'm much happier being – an offensive and defensive line coach. That's 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 what I like to do. <laughs> sure, sure, no doubt. Now you gotta know your strengths, obviously. Um, you know, I I think experience. You know, anyone would say ex- with experience, you're gonna be more confident and um, you know, be able to understand your personnel better. Mm. And I think over time, you know, you and I both can agree that you know, like you know what will work and what probably won't work quicker than what you used to. Yeah. You know, sometimes you run something you're like I'm sure in football but baseball you know you have a, a guy out there you leave out too long pitching and you're like gosh darn it I wish I wouldn't have done that you know but I think uh, over time like I said you can kind of feel in a game when when to do things differently and mix it up so to speak and I think the big thing too is communication yeah you just feel more confident in communicating with kids and getting them to understand where you're coming from and that's just maturity too obviously so yeah yep absolutely and uh, so you had mentioned coming in your first year, you know, they had all these openings and you mm-hmm. were willing to take them because you were the young guy. But that makes it sound like you're not still doing all of those things. But, but um, and, and I kind of hit a couple on the top, but uh, see, you generally still coach about every season. Yep, everything except for winter now. Yep. Yeah, which you used to do for I, a long time. 14 years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. So this is my 16th year. So. so you're only coaching three out of four now instead of four out of four seasons. Correct. Don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> All that time <laughs> on your hands. You need a hobby. Start knitting or something. Sure. Um, but So you're still doing that. You become the athletic director about 10 years ago or somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. Um, which is junior high, high school athletic director. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't really know, if you're at a small school, it's not like that's your full-time job and you have a secretary and all that. That's just another job on top of the full-time teaching job you're doing. That's correct. I don't even have a secretary. I make the programs. I do all that stuff. Yeah. So. And you also do more than a lot of even athletic directors in schools our size in the sense that you're also doing stuff like taking care of the fields, you drive bus, mm-hmm. you officiate games. Yep. So what gets you into all of those things? I mean, where you just kind of keep adding other things that you're doing? Uh, it, I think each one is a little different. Let's go with officiating. I remember when I first started the AD, it was hard to find football officials. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I might as well start doing that then because I can't find them. And you know, obviously you're getting paid too, so it's helpful. And I'm already there at the game, so selfishly, in a JV or junior high football game, there's not going to be any real AD responsibilities. Yeah. There's no money or, you know, generally the crowd isn't yelling things during those <laughs> games. If they are, they have issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I might as well just officiate those. So I did, and that's fun. You know, I, I really enjoyed it. Actually, this is the first year in 10 years I'm not doing it because we had our fourth child last September. So I kind of talked with my wife a little bit and said, you know, I should probably take a couple of years off because she's around the concession stand, which we could talk about later. <laughs> so she's busy as well. Yeah. Um, so it, that's kind of helpful a little bit at games that I'm not, I don't have to officiate. And we have kids that are old enough that they like coming to the games and watching and, but they still need some supervision <laughs> Yeah. along with other people's kids that get dropped off. And <laughs> five, here's $5. I'll pick you up at eight thirty. But yeah, yep, which, which is okay. I'm not saying it in a bad way. That's, that's the same thing I used to do to be yeah. honest with you. Um, and then bus driving, same thing. We had a hard time finding bus drivers like any small school. So I was like, well, I might as well do that. And so I got my bus driving. Actually, it was a lot easier then than it is now. I think now they have to take like an 18-hour online course. And back then, it was just kind of like a driving. You had to drive and take a written test, so it wasn't too bad. Although I was the fastest person to ever fail in Mitchell County. Well done. Yeah. (laughs) A courthouse in Osage is right next to Highway 9, which is right next to the railroad tracks. And the lady said, "Uh, okay, you can pull out here. So I did. And went right over the railroad tracks without putting on my stoplights so <laughs> done we right. turned this baby back around I, oh gosh i vividly remember looking back and saying what do you want me to do and she said just turn back around <laughs> i'd go back the next day yeah, and, right. and take it again i was the fastest person she said in i think 15 years to fail that well done the next day i passed it um <laughs> Oh, and then uh, what was the other thing you mentioned? Bus driving, officiating. Athletic director. How'd you get Athletic into directing that? and, um, you know, the fields. It, you know, it's hard when you're a small school. The janitors have other stuff to do. And mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't say we mow or, like my, the our head football coach and I, Hack was a head football coach for a while too when I was the AD as well. And so yeah. him and I would work together on the field. And now it's um, Steph Fair. So we kind of work together to mow it and paint it and 
that way it looks how we want it to. And, yeah. You know, that sometimes the janitors get busy a little bit, so they might not mow it for a while or whatever. So we're just like, heck with it, we'll do it. And it's worked fine. Baseball field, once in a while I mow it, but I wouldn't say I mow it all the time, but obviously I have to paint it and those types of things like every coach does. Yeah. That's no different than anyone else. But then the AD part, um, I vividly remember Chris Govern was an AD for the first four, well, actually, Hack would have been the first two years I think I was at Riceville before he retired and then Chris Govern took over and I remember Chris saying this is a job you'll be doing someday and I was like absolutely not <laughs> those words came back to bite me quick <laughs> yeah um it it was open it was a deal where I knew no one else was going to take it and I yeah. was like I can do it and I'm I, I like to think I'm very conscientious of making sure it's done right yeah and um well, you remember this, that first year or two, you're just trying to keep your head above water. Oh, no doubt. Every week, yeah. every day. And I, you know, actually this year I kind of felt the same way when you had your fourth child. <laughs> well, yeah, I would imagine. I, I wouldn't know, but uh, yeah, I would imagine I, that uh, adds something. The first two years are a little rough, and then I had a pretty smooth seven years. I like getting up early, and I usually take care of a lot of stuff early in the morning before the kids get up. But this last child's kind of put a damper to that, and... <laughs> I've been I've been scrambling a little bit this year, but yeah, you know, uh, being an AD is very intrinsically rewarding. Yeah, you don't get very much extrinsic. <laughs> no, that's for I mean, sure. When you're the AD for two years, <laughs> how often did someone say, "Hey, great job of having the other team here on time"? Yeah, never. Never. Yeah. Hey, great job of having the officials here. Yeah. Never, but you know, it's just one of them deals. We like you, to point out when something goes wrong. Yes, but, uh, yeah. you always get noticed, kind of like an official when something goes bad. But yeah. You know, I just feel good about serving. You know, like yeah. I, I feel like uh, serving the kids and the coaches, and I do. I just do my best to make sure that we run viable programs and we have good schedules, which is busy for me, obviously. But um, you know, it, it's very rewarding. I enjoy it. No yeah. doubt, it's uh, mentally exhausting, but at the same time, I, I feel good when I go to bed at night. You know, trying to do my best for Riceville and um, trying to. Like I said, serve our kids, our community, and um, you know, someday my kids will be up there, you know, pl yeah. playing, competing a little bit, and you know, I just I, I like the the relationships you build sure. you know, as an AD. Obviously, um, you know, talking with other ADs, they've been they're in the trenches, they're feeling the same yeah, things yeah. you are. You know, I some of the best memories I've had was when our old Corn Bowl days when you're the yeah, AD there, and yeah. you know, we just had a really good group. That was, we did. That was. I mean, I would tell people all the time that people in our area didn't realize how good a collection of people that was. I mean, I, I always felt like in those AD meetings. Oh yeah. You know, we, we could talk about anything, you know, and you know, if, if you had an issue, probably someone else in the room had had the same thing before, you know, and so we would just talk and just real easy going. I don't remember anyone really getting upset at anyone else. No, we just yeah. got along well. And, you know, sometimes we had coach issues, but nothing in terms of AD to AD stuff. And yeah, those were just really open, honest, and we just had really good dudes in there. Yeah, no, so. indeed. And that's about, that is probably the only thing I miss from being the athletic director. Sure. I, I'm really appreciative of you and the other people who really find that rewarding and really enjoy it. And it is rewarding to do those sorts of things. And, and it's sort of a, a club in a way. It's a job you don't really understand unless you've done it. Correct. Um, yep. So I'm really appreciative of that. I'm really appreciative of you. You were very helpful to me when I was doing it for the two years. And I, I kind of did it as a 
I was taking one for the team for a year, which turned into two years. That's how that goes in education yep. sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was for me, it was all of the things about education I didn't really enjoy and less time like actually coaching and teaching kids and those sorts of things. But so I'm appreciative of those who do it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing with being AD for me is, like you said, I, I do coach a lot during the every season at that time. And I'm there anyway. Yeah. So I, I might as well get the gym ready. Might as well. You know, it, a lot of the work as an AD, quote unquote, work. I was kind of already doing, you know, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, so it, the responsibilities besides the scheduling and some other parent things that you deal with, like I was already doing it anyway, so it yeah. just made sense. However, if anyone from Riceville is listening to this and they want to be the athletic director, <laughs> go ahead. I would give it up if you want to. <laughs> now, now that, you know, that makes a good point of, and you said – you know, something to the effect of, well, somebody has to do it. With with a few of the roles you've taken on, well, somebody has to do it. And I guess, you know, if I had to describe you to someone else, that might be, you know, something that I would use to sort of describe the essence of Bryce Conway is like, well, if somebody has to do it, Bryce is going to step up and do it. And, and sort of this idea of, well, I, I might as well. So where does that stem from? Where does that attitude? Because not everybody's like that. And I think sometimes you're kind of, you won't take enough credit for that. But not everybody's willing to be like, well, somebody's got to do it, so I'm going to be the guy. Sure. That reminds me of how I become the conference czar of the Iowa Star Conference two years ago. <laughs> somebody's <Jeez>. got to. <laughs> Everybody turns to look at Bryce. Brand new. <laughs> Bryce was brand new to that conference. And the guy, guy uh, retired. Yeah. And, and the crickets were in the room when everyone's like, who's going to do it? And I was like... I will if no one else will, but I really don't want to. And then <laughs> two years later, still doing it. And at the end of every year, I've, I've said, well, the last two years anyway, if anyone wants to do this, go ahead. No one raises their hand. But um, Everyone does the Bill Murray and Stripes where they act like they're going to step forward <laughs> and you do, and they're like, oh, sorry, yeah. Harold Ramis, you're yep. stuck. Uh, to answer your question, um, I, I think it was when I was younger – you know, my parents divorced, we moved into town, and I was kind of that kid, I guess, that um, organized the games. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of friends, and, you know, I'd, I'd call everyone. Back then, you had to call their home phones. You know, you didn't yeah. have cell phones, yeah, so I'd yep. make eight calls and say, hey, let's meet at the basketball court at 2 o'clock, or if we got snowed out, you know, we'd call everybody and say, let's call Pat Hirescheid, who's a good guy in, in town, and he had keys to the gym, and yeah Bryce you call him okay fine so I call him and you know we get in the gym play pick up basketball or organize a baseball game and so I guess I've just been used to always being that person I guess that kind of did got things done organized um you know in hindsight too you know you think of your parents and the traits you get from them (laughs) yeah I think uh my dad this is good and bad. It's kind of a perfectionist. When he does something, it's got to be just right. And I know that there's been many times, like if I've helped him do something, I'm like, done is better than good sometimes. And he's <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah. no, we got to fix this. It's, it's an eighth inch off or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then now I am kind of the same. Like I find myself doing the same thing yeah. all the time. And, you know, it's being uh, very minuscule or um, perfectionist kind of tendencies i guess but at, at the same it's a good trait but it's yeah. also can be very uh mentally exhausting like i said before so yeah 
that's funny it, it sounds a lot like my dad they always joke you know like my dad's good for kind of the old timey like construction sayings i grew up always you know remodeling and my dad re you know built every house we've ever owned and rebuilt every car we've ever owned and just always worked so you know he's a guy who would always say measure twice cut once and i'm like dad that's the 20th time you've <laughs> measured that thing you know I, mean, I, I think you're taking it to the extremes here and it used to drive me crazy and then now i'll you know tell him i'm cursed now like you walk into a house and be like ah, like they didn't feather out the tape job on that seam very well or you know something <laughs> like that and it's oh like, yeah it's a, yeah it's a good trait i'm not very good with my hands doing those things i really envy you for being good at doing those things i guess i never really learned those things from my dad which, like i should have but just today i was putting um a basement foundation cover on yeah and my my wife go what are you doing because i'd walk back and forth three times just like you said i'd measure <laughs> yeah. it go back measure yeah. it go back just cannot what needs to be perfect you know yeah. afraid to screw it up so yeah and I don't know that I'm good at them either. I'm just, uh, like, from being around my dad my whole life, it's sort of a combination of willingness to just do things you don't know how to do and, like, a extreme distaste for spending money. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not going to pay someone to do this. Theoretically, it's something I could do, so sure. just do it. See, and I'm the opposite a little bit, where I'd rather pay somebody because I know if I did it, I would just drive myself crazy, trying to make <laughs> it sure it's done right yeah, and yeah. perfect. And I'm not very good with directions either, so I just found myself, I'd rather pay for it. My wife's like, no, you can do it, and then I go crazy doing it, but well, it gets done. So, you have so much time to do those sorts of projects, <laughs> too, around everything else that you're doing yeah. and four kids. Very true. Much, a lot of time. Yeah. So. Now, so I'm going to deviate from some of the questions that I was asking you because I didn't realize that um, you're a child of divorce, and that's something that I guess I always ask people about now because I got divorced a little over a year ago. And that's like the one thing that like, I don't know, always scares me a little bit about like how that impacted my kids. And I think my ex-wife and I do a good job of co-parenting and those sorts of things, you know, and there hasn't been any problems there, but I'm always curious about that. How old were you when your folks divorced? It was, uh, my fourth grade summer going into fifth grade. Um, so I'm not sure how old I would have been 12, 11-ish, 12, somewhere in there. Sure. Um, actually it was very surprising. They never, you know, this is getting a little personal now, but I never remember them fighting. Yeah. You know, like I, they would probably do when we're sleeping, I'm guessing, but, um, sure. or quarreling, whatever. And yeah, one day mom said that we were packing up and going to town and I was old enough to know what that meant. You know, yeah. yeah. My, my brother was younger and he was excited cause he were going to go move to town and, um, you know, it, it was hard. I kept a lot of things in, internalized it, and I think I still do that too much today. I know that, you know, when yeah. I self-reflect, I don't talk about my feelings. I'm I'm a good sounding board for other people, and I yeah, like absolutely. listening to other people, but I don't like telling them my problems. I'd rather just deal with them, and that's not always healthy. Um, you know, I, I, had, I had a lot of internal anger that I took out of my brother. We fought a lot the first year or two. Yeah. Um, he's two years younger than me. Um, actually the last two fights I ever got in, I'm not much of a fighter. You know me pretty well. You know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a laid back, like i watch somebody fight, but I'm not going to jump in. But, um, yeah, I broke my knuckle on his face and went to the ER and they had to, I can just still feel where it, where I broke it. And then the next summer he broke his on my hip and we've not, not like we fought every day, but I remember after that one, my mom said, if you guys fight again, you guys are paying for your own bills. Well, we <sighs> 
we kind of matured a little bit after that and never fought. But the last two times I got in a fight, two broken bones, my brother and wow. I. So, yeah. But then, mm-hmm. you know, we, you just figure it out. It becomes your new normal. Yeah. You know, um, I remember we go to my dad's every other weekend or something like that. And um, actually, to be honest with you, he won't listen to this because he's very technology inclined. So <laughs> he'll never hear this. But yeah. I, I think that he became a better dad. You know, because he he spent invest time more, you yeah. know, with us a little bit. Where he was really busy all the time. It felt like when we were younger. Um, so then we actually got to hang out and do stuff and kind of sure. see it. Plus, we were a little older then, um, and he he's a great dad. I'm not saying he wasn't by any means, but um, then my mom's you know very good too, and you know, they both they all loved us. Yeah, no doubt. Never felt like they didn't. You yeah. know, um, so we were very well cared for. Um, and, you know, you just kind of figure it out a little bit. Um, it makes you deal with adversity when you're young. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember that. It, it, everyone's different. I know that everyone deals with things differently. I just remember that I kind of had the best of both worlds. We moved into town at a time in fifth grade where friends were important to me. Yeah. And like I talked about before, we hung out all the time. And I think for me, a lot of people maybe develop friendships in college or lifelong friendships to the town they moved to and for me a lot of my most not intimate that's not the right word but um deepest relationships are still with my high school friends or even junior high elementary because I think that they knew me they knew what I was going through I knew what they were going through you know them so well that you just don't lose those bonds and even when we get together today it's like we never you know, it could be three months, it could be a year, and you meet them up, meet up with them. You're like, hey, how's it going? You know, it's like you never, you know, you, like yeah. you met them a week ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can, you know, I, I can name five to seven people right now off the top of my head that, you know, I, I just know that they're they're in my corner. You know, whenever I need something, you know, like if you're going to move or whatever, yeah, you know, they, yeah. they'd be there, you yeah. know. And you just, those people don't come around all the time, and I, I think that that, not, not that the divorce was good by any means, but there's things that came out of it that were that made my life different that I wouldn't want to change either. Sure. So, well, that's encouraging. I, you know, not to take it to a you know more personal level or whatever, but I just always you know it's something I like to ask about, especially when it's somebody who you know, always makes me feel better. Like ah, like Bryce turned out pretty good. You know, you know what I mean? Like oh. I'm always like, if my kids turn out like that, that would be all right. You know, but. I got you fooled. I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> no, but. It, I, I think that, and you can think about this self-reflectively too. Like when you have your kids, you're probably more invested maybe than if they were here all the time. Well, maybe. I don't know. I I think, you know, and I, I really can sincerely say, you know, uh, my ex-wife and I, you know, we never kind of like you said with your parents, we never had the slamming door screaming matches. We just didn't. And I think, you know, if I was to boil it down, ours is more of a, you're different in your 30s than you are when you're 19. And I was 19 when we started living together. She was 18. And, you know, I was just one of those, like, we still work in the same building. You know, I mean, she's a teacher in the same school district. And we have 50-50 custody of the kids. And, you know, so I don't know. I, you know, I've heard people say that, like, well, you know, a lot of dads would be more invested. It's like, I was, I'm... I tend to be kind of like obsessive about whatever I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'm not the best at spreading myself to a bunch of different things. I'm pretty good at like compulsively working on one thing. And I think when we had our kids, 
you know, I tend to be a hundred percent all in on them, which I'd like to think is good. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest, I mean, sometime to the neglect of my then wife, you know what I mean? Where I was all in on the kids, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I don't know that I'm more invested with them now. Um, I really don't like when I don't have them around. Um, but I think I, you know, I'd like to think hopefully ultimately it'll wind up being a good thing. And like I said, we, you know, we're still at all their stuff together, you know, I mean, all that sort of thing, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing that I'm sort of curious about now, how other people reacted to it when they were young. And I'm always kind of, they're so young that, you know, sometimes they don't verbalize what they're thinking or, you know, or, you know, it's hard to get them to really articulate that, but sure. And, uh, you know, I would think I'm a little different than you, I guess, where whatever I'm doing, I'm all in on as well. But, like, I'll, I'll get to the end of the summer. Like, when baseball's done and we're together all day, I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm invested in them, but I spend better time almost with them in a shorter amount of time when I know they have, like, a two-hour window. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, we're going to go outside and we're going to play baseball or we're going to do this or that. And uh, I, I know that that's not true, but that's just how I feel a little bit. Yeah, like, you know. it, just get caught doing it, like, let's say today even, you know, do working on that basement foundation. I took up seven hours of my day where I didn't – part of me in the back of my mind, I'm like, I should be doing something with our kids, but I know I have to do this too. Yeah. You know, during the school year, you know, those two- to three-hour windows of being with the kids on a Wednesday night or Thursday if there's no games, like, I feel like we accomplish a lot as a family, and that, that makes me feel good. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I, that's something I struggle with a little bit though too, is I do kind of miss that a little bit where I like to really try and expose my kids to a lot of things. And I want them to be, you know, I really want them to have a lot of strength and, you know, abilities and things like that. So I felt like when I had them all the time and we're living in the same house all the time, then I didn't feel bad about like, we're together going to spend half the day working on this construction project because it's a good thing for you. Where now it's if, you know, if I, since I don't have them every day, like I don't want to waste a lot of our time doing something like that. You know, I want us to be, mm-hmm. we're playing the whole time or, you know, like yep. we're having an adventure the entire time. And like that I kind of have to remind myself like that might not be the most beneficial either but sure sure we're gonna go to the renaissance festival right that's right man we've been to every festival you can think of we're comic-con junkies and pirate festivals and every weird thing that comes up sure sure but uh no that's good well, i appreciate you sharing some of that um yeah just about your experience with that and you know i i don't mind i try and share that with kids too that i know where they're coming from everyone Everyone deals with it differently. I think the worst thing you can say is, I know how you feel. Like, you should never say yeah, that to somebody because yeah. just because their parents are divorced doesn't mean that you know how they feel. Yeah. You know, everyone reacts differently, and every situation's different. You know, yeah. and, like, I, I think that, you know, you and Katie do a great job from what I see and understand from an outsider looking in. Yeah, you know, appreciate with, that. But obviously some don't, you know, yeah. like some divorce and there's, you know, friction and, you know, the kids are the innocent bystanders and it just breaks your heart sometimes when you see those things and it's too bad. But that's the way it goes and just try and help those kids understand that, you know, that doesn't have to be, you know, you someday, you know, you, you can yeah. overcome that yeah. and do your best to, you know, just be you and school's kind of an outlet for those kids sometimes and 
sports are a good outlet or ex- any yeah. extracurricular activities, obviously. So, yeah. And, you know, I agree with that too. It, in some ways, I feel like it's made me a better teacher in some respects too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, being an adult, getting divorced where you know, I'm always trying to tell my students like the stuff that I'm, that we're talking about now that I'm trying to teach you now isn't really for right now. You know, I mean, and some of it is to get you ready for college or your job or whatever, but most of it is for when you are 30 years old and you get divorced or, you know, I've, I've written and talked about before, you know, I had a bunch of health problems that started when I was 28. That was unexpected. I'm like, you might one day wake up and get sick and then you might get divorced and you might, I mean, these things might happen in your life that something, mm-hmm. maybe not those things specific are going to happen in your life. So that's why we're doing these things now. Sure. Nope. And I, uh, I applaud you too for, you know, get through those things and, you yeah. know, be, be better because of it. Yeah. I, maybe, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, I mentally so. stronger and, uh, everyone faces adversity, some worse than others, but it's coming. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's coming that's, for you. I, I, the way yeah. it sounds, you talk to the kids the same as I do. It's coming. If you haven't had it and life has been rainbows and butterflies, it's going to. The rain is coming. Yes, no doubt. And you know, trying to prepare them for that and to give them um, some some ways that they can deal with it. So to engage with it and not make it be um, catastrophic for them is very important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. So circling a little bit back to just the teaching and stuff, we're both talking about we kind of talk to our students the same way and focus on the same things, and we both teach. So you teach K through 12 physical education. Correct. And then you teach a class called Character Development and Leadership. Did I get that right? Correct. CDL. Yep. And you had a kid who signed up for CDL, right? Yeah, had a kid who signed up for CDL. He thought he was going to be a commercial driving license. Is that what it is? Yep, right? Yep, commercial yep. driving, yeah. And <laughs> it's the nice thing for us, I think, different than St. Ansgar is it's a required class. Yeah. At, at Riceville, deal. yeah, darn right. So we see every kid, and I love it. I wish, actually, we could see every ninth grader and then every 12th grader, and we could steer it ninth grade towards high school and then seniors more sure. towards life. But it is what it is. We're, I'm glad that we have them at least once, but... Yeah, that young man came in this year, and it he was surprised. <laughs> he's, he was ready. He's going to be backing up a semi and <laughs> yep, getting ready yep, to go, it, man. It, it, one of those kids, you know, I, he was excited <laughs> for it. but uh, He's he, like, I'm going to get an A <laughs> in this class. <laughs> oh, yeah, and actually they almost do. Just yeah. if, if, you're, if you're breathing and you're participating, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. just the truth, you know. There's, yeah. There's a lot of uh, reflection, and um, the assignments are pretty easy. I mean, it's a yeah. lot of everything's in your mind. You don't have to research anything in our class. I don't know how yours is, but well, and we do, so, and that's I guess talk a little bit about. So I teach a course too called Character and Leadership, and just some differences. And so yours is freshmen. All freshmen take it. No, ours is uh, upper level, juniors oh, okay. or seniors. Okay. okay. Gotcha. And that's what mine is too. Mine is juniors to seniors. And mine's an elective though, so it's not required. Mm-hmm. So do you, how do you get every student through there? Are they taking it for a semester? Is it a year course? Semester. We okay. were on trimesters where it was one trimester and actually I like the semester better. Um, less time daily, but at the same time we have them longer, I guess. So it, yeah. I think it'll be better. Actually, this is our first year going back to semesters since we started character development leadership, I believe three years ago, this is our fourth year. So it's kind of a little bit new with our setup where yeah. 18 weeks instead of 12 but like i said i think it'll be better in the long run we get through more information a little sure. bit so 
And you're working from an established curriculum, right? I mean, that's sort of your starting point. I know you yep. go off and do other yep. things. But. I, I forget who created it. It's really good stuff. Um, the, the setup would be each week there's a word, um, character word that you talk about, define it, um, do some quotes with it. There's a book reading from people who have lived that word. Like, let's say the first word, I believe, was attitude that we did. Um, and uh, just uh, you read a passage or whatever, probably about seven to eight pages about someone, yeah. guy, guy or girl, and then um, answer some questions about it, talk about it. There's a movie that goes along with it each week that you don't watch the whole movie, but you watch bits and pieces of it. Like uh, for Attitude, it was Cinderella Man, I, oh, yeah. I believe. Great movie. And, yeah, um, Actually, some of the movies we do watch most of, like that one we would, um, Rudy. Some kids yeah. have, you know, like the movies we grew up with, some of these kids haven't seen them. And, um, I know, as a travesty. You know? Oh, geez, it drives good, you crazy. Like, yeah. what? You know, but <laughs> I, I don't know if they watch movies much anymore. But anyway, um, oh, I don't know, like integrity is a word, courage, responsibility, respect, perseverance, accountability. And there's more than that, obviously. But I believe there's actually 18 of them. Including character is a seven, week 17, then leadership is week 18. In my experiences, I've covered about 10 to 12. And then from there, we I, I give uh, groups, like groups of two to three, depends on the size of the class. And then they pick a word, and each word gets covered, and then they present it to the class instead of just me doing it. Sure. And then they get creative, you know, they do PowerPoint or whatever they want to. And then um, they're supposed to actually read about that person, whoever it was that week. And then they present it, the information to the group and they get great on that, obviously. But that way we cover all the words in a shorter amount of time. And then along with that, uh, you know, we, we read Man's Search for Meaning, Meaning from Viktor Frankl, which is an incredible book, um, trying to help kids, <clears throat> excuse me, understand their why, why are they here. It's about a survivor of the Holocaust, a Jewish, sure. Jewish man. And it's, it's crazy and it's intense reading. Um, yeah, it just makes you reflect on, you know, how can you overcome those things with your added, you know, his attitude, a lot yeah. of it's about attitude, perseverance, all the stuff, every character word there is could be put into that book somehow and have good responses from that. You know, a lot of kids obviously, Oh, we have to read this and they get halfway through and they're like, they want to, you know, yeah. they come to class yeah. and they're excited to read it. Um, and then uh, another one that we do is actually a, a mutual friend of ours, Ethan Miller, um, Six Keys to Lean with Intention. Um, this will actually be the first year we've done that in this class where we're going to read that one. But uh, it's a great book, um, yeah. kind of like a, a parable. You know, it's yeah. a story, and it, it, but it's an easy, quick read and a lot of in, good information. And Ethan, kudos to you if you're listening to this. That was good stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ethan Miller, who's a teacher and AD in our area too, and multiple time published and does mm -hmm. speaking engagements does a lot of stuff so oh, yeah. absolutely yeah he's a busy man no doubt and yeah. I, I think that uh one of the things i like about character development leadership and you can chime in too is the stuff we get to talk about is stuff that's like not on a standardized test yeah you know at the perseverance the accountability responsibility trying to get kids to understand what that looks like yeah instead of just it's a word it's an actually an action putting it into your life, um, giving them resources, I guess, to think about themselves and how they can be better because everyone can be better. You know, I, I'm no different than everyone else. I try to put my best foot forward every day and some days I do well and some days I say I need to do this better. But, um, you know, just trying to get kids to understand that it matters. You know, yeah. their, their character matters and um, how they how they perceive things matters and 
get them to think for themselves. You know, a, lot, sure. a lot of great stuff. And every day is different in that class. And I, I really like that part of it. And you never know where your conversations are going to go. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know, on our last podcast, actually, this is the second time we've done this. <laughs> the, the audience didn't know that part. Yeah, I, I'll well, let you talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, we, well we, we got together and recorded. Two weeks uh, ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. And it went fine. Um, Bryce's <laughs> answers were really good. But uh, we both kind of, I guess, said there was things we could have done better and things we could work on. So it worked oh. out good to record again. I, I need more mic time anyway, so sure. it was perfect. For you, it was a technology. For me, it was just – actually, it was, I was nervous, and I was kind of surprised because I was like, ah, you know, we're just going to be talking and whatever. But I found myself nervous, you know, and uh, I wasn't prepared necessarily for your questions maybe. I don't know, sure. but it, in my mind, I was trying to maybe not sound dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you, you have a low bar. I'm the other guy talking. That's what I always say when I re-listen. I always, you know, I re-listen to the interviews once. The the stuff that I record just on my own, that's like the audio campaign for the blog, I don't even listen to it. Sure. I record it and I'll listen to the first couple of seconds like, okay, it recorded. And then I just put it out there. These I listen to to make sure, you know, both of our mic volumes and, you know, and every, both track volumes are good. But uh, I always really enjoy 50% of the uh <laughs> the episode because i i like re-listening to the guest answers i don't like listening to myself talk i sure you know and then people would be like well you have like a deep voice and stuff i'm like well yeah but it's not like it's not like a morgan freeman like documentary narration voice it's like the jock's best friend in a teen movie you know <laughs> like not even the quarterback who's the center of attention like his dumb lineman friend that's what i sound like and i, and I realize that Sure. I remember uh, about eight years ago or so when, um, when you were the AD and I was explaining to my wife, Amanda, like who you were. And she's like, does he have a real deep voice? I'm like, yeah. And she knew right away who you were. But no, um, you know, getting back to, I, I feel like um, in this setting, which is good for me because uh, I always talk about the kids about, you know, being uncomfortable is a good thing. Like, I feel like I'm a good listener, similar to you, you know, very good listener, but when put on the spot, I need to reflect a little bit, which is good and bad. I'm not very quick witted. However, I think it helps me not be emotional yeah. At, yeah. at times, you know, which is good, obviously, but, um, you know, getting back to where we're going with that was, uh, <laughs> in, in character development leadership, you know, a lot of, not a lot of times, but I bet once every two weeks or so, we'll just we'll just talk and, yeah. and, um, you know, we just have start a conversation. It goes this way and that way. And don't get me wrong. It's not necessarily about NASCAR or something like that. It, it's about, you know, life. And, you know, I'm more than open when we get a good discussion going, we're going to roll with it. Yeah. Um, in my last, in our last podcast, which no one's going to listen to, but some, uh, some the, later VHS tape yeah. release. Oh, yeah, the B-side, B-side of an album, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Oh, jeez. Maybe Yellow Leadbetter, Pearl Jam thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, no, I talked, I brought up a high school, um, our algebra teacher. That was a hard class, and I was a ninth grader taking that, and actually that was really hard, I thought. It was like a pre-calc algebra, but, you know, we would, tr 
try once a week to get him to talk just you know because he he loved to talk about anything in in a good way and um you know the bell would ring and be like well see you tomorrow and be like (laughs) yes you know and you were talking about mr p yeah taught across the hall from where i teach now but uh yeah he was an english teacher who looked exactly like santa claus sure down to every feature and uh yeah, his class was the same thing, man. You get talking about what, and it's I learned so much from that class. I don't know how much of it was actual like English curriculum. Sure, yep. But I learned so much from his class. But uh, yeah, his class was great, and you know I remember things from his class like we'd start talking about mythologies and he'd bring in a pomegranate or, you know, <clears throat> a bunch of pomegranates for people to eat because they talk about them in mythology. And there was some British Royal something or other going on when I was in high school. So we spent like a week watching all the British festivities and learning about the monarchy. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with anything other than P wanted us to be cultured and sure. to know about things. And I really enjoyed Yeah, that. no doubt. And a lot of it, and looking back now, I remember how I felt like when he was in the room, and he's such a good guy, and I couldn't tell you one thing he taught me, <laughs> but by by vivid, I can feel it right now how I felt in there, and it was really like you said, interesting to listen to him. Don't get me wrong, in a roundabout way, we're trying to get out of work a little bit. Yeah, that's a student go-to. But similar to what you said earlier, you know, I didn't know the lessons he was teaching us until afterwards a little bit. You know, and just uh, being able to communicate with high school kids. And you know, I, I really think that that's a lot of kids just want that. They want that relationship with somebody. Maybe they're not getting it at home. Maybe um, they're just uh, trying to learn who they are a little bit and um, trying to figure it out. And I think that, you know, that class allows that to happen. And really I'm just a facilitator I'm I'm not trying to tell them you need to be like this or you need to be like me or these people we're talking about but it's giving you ideas for how you can improve yourself and be the best version of you and that's going to look different for everybody obviously yeah. everyone has strengths everyone has weaknesses you try to improve your strengths and weaknesses so I don't know well and so you talked about you know students aren't usually aren't going to remember a lot of the curriculum that you teach them, but they are going to remember how they felt in your class. They are going to remember how they felt about you. So, you know, what is your philosophy, I guess, in a broad sense, when you're coming into a classroom, I mean, what is the purpose number one? Purpose number one is to try to make it the best 45 minutes of their day. And that means I need to have the energy. You know, I can't just be, oh, you know, every third hour, we have five more hours left. You know, like, that's how the kids are sometimes. No offense to the math teachers out there, but I always say, don't come in here like it's math. You know, be excited. You know, we get, there's not much homework here. We're just going to talk and we're going to become better. And I, I like that part of it. Including PE, you know, you get to become better, more fit. You know, it's not about playing sports. You know, we, we do some sport activities in PE, but it's more so personal fitness, personal enhancement, becoming better at yeah. something. And don't get me wrong, some some kids just really dislike PE, and I get it. Yeah. And those kids, I try to say, okay, I know you don't like PE, mostly high school kids, you know, K through eight, love PE for the most part. <laughs> you know, I need to calm them down. It's opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but high school kids, it's like, but you, you have to be here 
try to change your perception of you get to come and get better. And that doesn't always work. Don't get me wrong. You know, but I I think after a week or two, like we're about three to four weeks in probably four weeks now in, and I think some kids have changed their minds a little bit where it's not so bad. You know, it's not that bad. And, um, sometimes not that bad is better than I hate this, you know? So it just, (laughs) and that's probably the hardest thing for me with phys ed is, like sometimes I'll go from high school trying to motivate kids to elementary, trying to calm them down a little bit, <laughs> being able to up and down, up and down, you know, during the day. But it's very rewarding, very mentally exhausting, very rewarding though. And I love being able to see every kid in our school. I, I And that's the unique thing about Riceville compared to some other schools, I think, is all of our kids are in one building. And, uh, yeah, you just can impact kids every day. And don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect by any means, but I, I really try to pick out those kids that might need somebody, and you can just see them a little bit. You know, yeah. you can kind of tell who they are and try to be their friend in a little bit, especially the younger kids. Try to be their friend and someone that they can have trust in, I guess, yeah. that they might not have during the day. And obviously I'm not asking them to do their math, do their reading. I'm just asking them, hey, come and have fun and follow the directions, obviously, and treat others with kindness. You know, we do a call back every day. I, um, I think it starts with do your best, treat others with kindness. They say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, and have fun. You know, and that's those are the four main things in K6 PE. Yeah, awesome. Sometimes in high school, it feels like I need a cattle prod, but... <laughs> 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 wow. Hey, I think by, by now, like I said, we have a routine. Kids know what to expect. Everything's written on the board. They come in, they know that what we're going to do. And I, I try to make it fun, you know, and I, I try not to pigeonhole kids and say, we have, you have to play basketball. I try and give them options. Mm-hmm. And then when you give kids options and they take ownership a little bit of what they're doing, and then it's not so bad. Walking is always an option, um, and obviously more people need to be uh, physically active in our, you can see it everywhere, it's, and walking is physical activity, so I say, you know, you can do that if you want to. I don't necessarily like it when they do that, rather than participate, but if they really don't like that activity, whatever it might be, then go for it. Obviously, everyone likes badminton. Don't have to move much. Yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah but no it's it's fun it's fun and um you know i think every i've changed a lot you know like i like we talked about coaching before when i first came to riceville i taught pe how i was taught and that we, we did units you know we did three week units i'm not saying that's a bad thing for those of you out there who do that but i've found that you know trying to get kids to be more conscientious of how to be physically fit and we talked about giving kids life life things you talk about what what I'm telling you now doesn't matter now but will down the road that's how I feel with high school physical fitness we're doing a lot of stuff where I don't expect them to do that next year when they graduate or three years from now but when they're 38 like I am I don't know how old you are you don't have to say but okay third geez (laughs) you're young yet so when you're 38, like I am, and you're, you know, you're out of shape, and you have four kids, and you're like, gosh, I just feel like crap, you know, like, like they can look back and maybe and say, I remember what we did in PE, you know, I, I know that was 20 years ago, maybe, but they, they can still do those things. They feel confident. They can go to a fitness club or something and not feel out of place, maybe, yeah. you know, and that's what I'm trying to give them, I guess, is some tools that they can use down the road. That's why I tell them every time too is you might not like it today, but I someday you're going to want to do this, whether you like it or not, ask your parents, because they probably are trying to get fit somehow or go on a diet or whatever. And 
you know, just uh, giving them life, life things that they can use or choose not to. That's a big thing is choice. And um, in character development leadership, I'm sure that you do it too, but you talk about the power of choice. You ultimately choose. You, your perceptions are your own. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, no one else is making you do anything. I'd tell them you chose to come to school. In theory, you could have, instead of driving to the parking lot, you could have drove to Osage and went to Hardy's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you chose to come here, so when you are here, be invested, you know, and get better. So, Absolutely. do you have? Do you find it beneficial for just sort of establishing that culture? That I mean, if you're a student who goes to Riceville for his or her entire career, you have Mr. Conway for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be a, a beneficial thing for the things you're trying to do? That you really get to build long-term relationships with these students. Very much so. Um, yeah, you just know them, and the the neat thing is, you get to see kids mature. Like, we don't have bad kids. I hate it when like someone calls a kid a bad kid. No, they just make poor choices, yeah. or their behavior isn't necessarily the way you like it. We don't have bad kids at Riceville. We don't. There's kids can be kids sometimes and pick on each other here and there, but. Overall, our, we have great kids, just like St. Ansgar. You know, we, we talked on our last podcast about that, too. <laughs> we're we're going to have to release this B-side, B-side. at some point and keep referring back to it. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. You can take notes and you can find these. It'll be like a Where's Waldo of uh, broken recording. Sure. But, um, you know, like, you get a kid in kindergarten and, oh, man. If I could be a first through 12th grade teacher, I'd love it. For yeah. PE. <laughs> Cut out Once they get oh, lordy. Yeah, I haven't figured them out yet. <laughs> I've been K-12 PE for, oh, probably going on six, seven years now, and I still, kindergarten, oofta. You know, they're the same every year. Different <laughs> species. Oofta. <laughs> I have 30-minute PE classes, and I figure with them, right or wrong, I can get 15 minutes probably of focus you know, yeah. to do something. Yeah, yeah. So I try with kindergarten, if there's a PE teacher out there, call me if you have ideas for me. But <laughs> I try to do two different things every period with kindergarten. In first grade even, I can probably do one. Like, um, you know, we warm up every day. We do like a five, 10 minute warm up working on skipping or there's different stuff I do different days. But then we do an activity. But yeah. oof, I found with kindergarten, yeah, I almost have to do two. Like we'll do maybe line tag here. Then maybe we'll work on kicking a soccer ball here. I'm just going off what we did last Thursday. But, you know, but going back to your question, <laughs> um, you, know, you get to see a mature. And I think as a K-6 PE teacher, they're excited for PE. They are. You know, it's, they get outside. They get to be active. You know, they're they're gung-ho for PE. So in 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 theory, I'm one of their favorite people. Like just, that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing because it's it's not because it's Bryce Conway. It's just because I'm the PE teacher. Yeah. So it allows me to have a unique relationship with most kids, where um, they they kind of like like me because they've been used to coming to my class and being excited for it. And then um, I'm able to maybe talk to them differently than other teachers are, and be able to maybe listen to their problems a little bit different or be able to be their friend like I talked about before. And then uh, they get into high school, junior high, high school. Junior high is another animal in itself, obviously. But <laughs> um, in high school, and I wouldn't say I have a great relationship with every kid, but I would say that I think most kids would genuinely say that I'm tough, nice. You know, like um, they, they can trust me 
Um, they might not necessarily like the class, but they can trust that I have their best interests at heart and I'm willing to talk to them. Uh, you know, something for educators out there that I've tried to do, which is specific. I think art is like your specials, yeah. you know, your art, your band, choir, um, PE, um, counseling, whatever is, I, I can take time to talk to kids maybe when other teachers can't because they're worried about the standardized tests. And yeah. I'm talking high school mainly, you know, like they get a kid for 45 minutes. It's like, we got to do this and this and this and this, whatever. Although this year we can get to this in a little bit. We, we've done more relationship building it, it may, making it a priority at Riceville, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I've tried to, this is goes back about 12, 13 years ago. It was about my third year where I took role every day. I also had a, a, tally sheet of conversations I'd have with kids and I tried to not toot my own horn here but it just worked for me is to have a meaningful about two minute conversation every two weeks with every kid and I'd write that in that same thing where I put like an x if they're present or three if they were not dressed for class or an a for absent you know and I think that really helped to build relationships with some kids that obviously I'll talk for me. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but kids are involved in activities. You just have a better relationship with because you're around them more and you have like interests. Yep. But it allowed me maybe with a kid who didn't wasn't out for a sport to get to know them better, and it made me feel better about being their teacher and educating them, I guess. Um, early on, I had health class. I had ninth grade health and 12th grade health and then high school PE, so I saw almost every kid. Well, I did see every kid, I guess. And uh, like in high school, that is. And like I said, it just kind of helped me to understand them better, build those relationships like we talked about before. Um, and, you know, it, it helped me feel more invested in them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so we touched on a little bit, you know, we've kind of been through all the things that you're doing in your job, all the different roles that you fill in the school and those sorts of things. And we mentioned you also have four kids and a wife. Mm-hmm. How do you strike a balance between all of those different things? Sure. Well, love it. You know, I'll go back to Brian Kane as a mental conditioning coach, whatever. And um, I remember reading his book and he, seeing him, and it was more for baseball related, but he talked about being present. And that kind of hit, hit me like right in the gut a little bit about. I used to try to, you know, when I was doing one thing, I was thinking about another. And, you know, if I was at work, I was thinking about I should be home and this and that. But I've really tried to, wherever I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to be fully invested in it. Like if I'm like, you're talking about coaching baseball. And this is the same thing I tell my kids too. Like when you come to practice, you know, you're invested right now. You're not thinking about the science tests you might have or your girlfriend breaking up with you or whatever. Like, like right now your mind is here. And that's what I try to do too every day. And like I talked about before, when I'm with my kids and family, I'm trying to be invested the best I can. I catch myself one time, sometimes like being on my cell phone a little bit where I have to put it away and say, you know, catch yourself doing that and yeah. be invested with your time, I guess. But um, it, it's it's tough, no doubt, especially you know, like next, this coming week, let's say, um, for me, Monday night, tomorrow night we have uh, home volleyball. Then uh, – Tuesday night, I'm coaching cross-country, so we have a cross-country meet. Thursday night, we have uh, junior high volleyball at home. Friday, we host a football game, so it's a busy week. However, it's nice for me now. I'm getting to the point where my kids are getting a little older. They can come to some activities for the most part. 
11-month-old daughter is a little different. You know, she needs, obviously, attention. But, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that my in-laws help out a lot. You know, I, I don't know if I could do this job if it wasn't for them. And, obviously, my wife, too, is very understanding. Like I said before, she runs our concession stand, her and her sister. So we're very invested in the athletics at Riceville. And, um, you know, we just make it work. And you know, sometimes it's easier than others. You know, she's much, my wife is much more diligent of knowing the going-ons of my kids in school. Like, I'll help. I'm always kind of like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, get out their planner, this and that. And I I do those things, don't get me wrong, but she's much more on the on the ball with that stuff, which is very helpful for me. But uh, like I said, you, you just make it work. Um, we don't know any different. It's funny when you talk to, I'm sure you're the same way, when you talk to people tell you how busy they are. And <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, I, I never say a word though, but I'm always like, you don't even know busy. <laughs> you know, but Being an athletic director puts time management uh, into just a whole new perspective. Oh, sure. No doubt. And you know, I think being busy is, being busy is a, is a phrase that people use too much. You just got to manage your time. And I don't, I'm not perfect that way either. Like I said, I, I'm probably fortunate where I, I don't mind getting up at five in the morning, sometimes four thirty. Generally that's when I work out. However, our 11 month old daughter doesn't really help with that. So next, next year I'll start again, but for right now it's just get some stuff done in the morning. Quiet time is good, you know, and, um, it just, kind of plan each day. I'm not very good about down the road what I'm doing, but I know each day what I need to do. And sometimes you get it done, sometimes you don't. What are some of your specific strategies? So you say, I mean, you're an early riser, get up and try and get things done right away. Is that because you naturally like mornings? You find that to be more productive when you're getting up and doing those things right away? More productive. However, I remember when you were in AD and I was as well back then, I was the opposite. I, I'd stay up late. You know, I'd shoot, I'd stay up till 1230, one o'clock. And I, I never really need much sleep, although now I'm finding out I need a little more. I'm getting older, I guess. But um, it's quiet time. You know, when you have four kids, it's kind of nice when yeah, it is quiet. Yes. <laughs> well, everyone's still sleeping in the morning, yeah. usually, hopefully, but uh other than that yeah you know, i i have a lot of we have good coaches at riceville they help me out a lot keep me on the ball sometimes sometimes you need reminders of things where i'm like thank you you know like i yeah. you just miss some things here and there small small things can be big things but and obviously you know this is my 10th year being ad so you, you kind of get a routine you know what needs to be done although the first football game every year is chaos because there's always something that you forgot that you should have done i'm not i'm not really a list person yeah. i'm more of a in my mind i know what i need to do which when i'm if i'm ever gone for something that's not a good thing because i always forget and i have to call that person or text them and say you know whoever's filling in for me hey i forgot to tell you this or this or that you know but um i I don't know. Like I said, I just just try and be the best I can be every day. So, That's good. yeah. Um, so, with all of this, I mean, I always try to. I mean, part of the reason that I like to do this podcast is I find a lot of people around me inspiring with the things that they do, or you know, things that I want to learn from other people. What are some things when you're going in and you're wanting to be your best every day and you're focused on making you know the best 45 minutes of the day for your students what are some things that inspire you or people inspire you or any of those sorts of things oh 
I think it's just, you know, when when kids walk into your room or in the gym for me or whatever is trying to impact them, trying to each day give them a nugget, something that they can take with them to make them better or ha- make their day go better. You know, I, I hate the term and stole this from Ethan Miller, actually, and it makes total sense is, you know, you, you have, you don't have good days or bad days. You have good moments and bad moments and trying to help kids understand that part of it is important. Um, you know, to help them deal with adversity here and there. And that same in PE, you know, we, I talk about that a lot in PE time, you know, if something happens and our high school kids are pretty good about that. But a lot of times junior high elementary, to me, those, those grades for me anyway, and this is just my philosophy, it's half of teaching them how to be physically fit and those type and eat well and those types of things. But it's also helping them to, understand what a good sport looks like, how to deal with loss, losses, um, how to be a good winner, you know, and those, those little fine things that are important down the road when they get in high school. Cause obviously, you know, if, if, um, if you're participating in a sport, there's a chance you're going to lose, you know, and trying to help them, encourage them to be, be the best they can be and be a good teammate, be a good classmate, you know, and what that looks like, how, how it doesn't look like and call them out on it when they're not. And I don't know, just trying to help them more than anything. And like I said, I'm not perfect either. And, um, I just trying to make a difference impact. So, yeah. well, it's, uh, about an hour and 12 minutes and I kind of went through my list of things I wanted to ask you. You got anything else? Oh, I guess more than anything, it's, you know, being an educator is very, very worthwhile. I think that you'd probably agree. You know, every, the thing I like most about is every day is different. You, when you go to school, you don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to go. There's always, especially with terms of athletic director and PE and stuff like that and how, how the day is going to go and you never know where it's going to take you. And I think that makes it rewarding, fun, mentally exhausting, a lot of things in one. And, um, I wouldn't change it for anything. And, you know, a lot of, I, I guess a lot of teachers, maybe at Riceville, I'm sure St. Ansgar is different, but they get their hyper thing every month or every year. And they're like, Oh, 10 years till retirement. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I like it. I, I, I love teaching and being with kids and, um, yeah, I wouldn't change it for anything. And like I said before, we have great kids at Riceville, very similar to St. Ansgar. Um, you know, respectful, um, treat others with kindness, you know, for the most part. And obviously you have some ding-dongs here and there that need need to get steered in the right direction once in a while. But, you know, it's a very rewarding gig. Wouldn't change it. I agree. Best job in the world. Yes. Well, I sure appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on for uh, part two. It's part two. Of our, uh, of our podcast <laughs> and... Uh, Anyway, I, I really appreciate it, man. appreciate your friendship. appreciate you coming on talking about things, so thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. you got a good thing going here. Like I said, if this is your first listen for, to Luke Nielsen, you should check out his blog and all that stuff. The I, It's great. When I read it, I, I'm like, gosh, that makes total sense. And how you tie in the philosophical things to it is really good, too. And I, I just really enjoy everything you put out there. It's very well thought out and, um, you know, helps me become a better person so i appreciate you well thank you appreciate it on that thanks for listening we're out of here